Welcome to this bonus episode of the Runner's Roundtable podcast. This is a solo episode six days before my 10th marathon, the London Marathon. I'm answering questions on the five topics that were sent over that I organized the questions into, which is entry options for the London race, my why for marathoning and why for London, training, aka what I've been calling that journey to London, my race plan, and after London plans. Enjoy this episode and thanks in advance for listening to me talk on and on for 40 minutes about London. Welcome everyone to a special bonus episode of the Runner's Roundtable. It is a solo podcast episode with me, Stephanie Diaz, aka The Cookie Runner. And this is a special race week for me episode about the London Marathon. I had asked you all for questions about this episode and you all delivered. So thank you to everyone who submitted a question. I gathered all those questions together and then chunked them so that this episode would flow in a way that makes sense. That would also sound a little maybe more organized than what I'm feeling this week, being taper week and getting ready for traveling with my family, which is both exciting and terrifying. So I am recording this episode on Monday, April 17th. My brain is here, but then it's also excited about what's happening in Boston today. So lots of great running things happening this week, and I'm so excited and so grateful that I am part of it this year. All right, I'm going to start off with the first batch of questions that had to deal with the London Marathon in specific. One of the questions I got was about entry options into this race. There are four entry options. Before I get into them, I just want to talk a little bit more about London. And for those of you who don't know, marathon is 26.2 miles. That's the distance. London, this particular London marathon is part of the Abbott World Marathon Majors. That is a I don't want to call it a series of six races, but it is, I guess, maybe a collection of six races that are considered the marathon majors. It is Tokyo, Boston, London, Berlin, Chicago, New York City. Did I get them all? We have Tokyo, Boston, London, Berlin. Chicago, New York City. I did get them all. All right. So those are the six races that are part of the Abbott World Marathon majors. And I'm mentioning all of them. I mentioned it twice. You'll understand why when I get to the fourth way you can enter this race. So there are four different entry options for London. The first is a ballot entry The 2024 ballot entry period will begin on Saturday, April 22nd, 2023. So you head on over to the London Marathon website, which will all be linked in the episode notes. 
And that is free. Anyone can enter it. You will only get charged if your ballot is selected. I will say that over the last decade or so, the amount of people that are applying for entry into the marathon majors has increased. So your chances of getting picked are not. I forget what the percentage was after last year's draw, but they were very low, very, very low. So just keep that in mind that if you enter into the ballot, chances might be that you will not get selected, but that's why there's three other ways to get in. So you've got the ballot that and that opens up April 22nd, 2023. The ballot period is usually open for about two weeks. So if you're interested in the 2024 edition of the London Marathon, make sure you head on over to the website and you get your name in there. Second way of entering is called good for age. So these, this is for runners and athletes that have met a qualifying time for the race. You have to run another marathon, another qualifying race, and it has to be according to whatever your country's governing body is. If you're in the States, it is most likely going to have to be a USATF certified course that you have to run in order to get the qualifying time. Just to go over briefly for time qualifiers, I will go over three categories and I'll link to the website for the other ones. So if you're really curious to see if you meet the time qualifier, go there. So if you are age 18 to 39, for men, you need a sub three hour. For women, you need a sub 345. If you fall in the age group of 40 to 44, you need a sub 305 for men and a sub 350 for women. For 45 to 49 age group, it's a sub 310 for men and a sub 353 for women. So those are the time qualifiers. And on the London Marathon site, it says that we advise you to enter the ballot if your qualifying time is within 10 minutes of the good for age qualifying time. So I'm assuming that means if your qualifying time is 345, that if you're within 335 to 345, they encourage you to apply. So know that you can apply and that the 2024 application or the qualifying period is from October of 2022 to September 30th of 2023. So for any of you that have a marathon from when you listen to this episode to September 30th, 2023, and you've got a time that fits within that time qualifier, throw your hat into that pot or whatever the saying is, and perhaps the good for age is the best route for you to go. Third option for entry is charity. So the London Marathon is one of the, if not the biggest fundraising day in London. There are hundreds of charities that participate in the London Marathon. I'm speaking as someone who's from the United States, so I will tell you there are UK space, UK and US-based charities. Plenty of options in almost all the cases. And if someone's listening to this and had a different experience, please let me know. You have to fill out an application and have an interview 
with the charity themselves, and then you get selected for the team. So I find that this is a little bit different than some of the other U.S. races that I've done on behalf of a charity. It's been just, I apply, I pay, and then I'm on the team. I think, again, my experience was I applied and then I got a phone call and an interview that asked me about my fundraising plans and my running history. And then I was offered a spot on the charity team. Last method of entry, and this is new. This was started or announced in 2022. So last year, they have this thing called Six Star Finishers. So remember how I mentioned that there are six races that are part of the Abbott World Marathon Majors? That's where this comes in handy. So people who complete all six races, they get a special medal and they are called six star finishers. So what the Abbott World Marathon Majors noticed last year was that a lot of people want to get the six star, but these lottery and ballot entries were not making it possible for everyone to do it in a timely way. Some people would have maybe Tokyo was the last star that they needed to get, and it would take them years to get it because they weren't getting in through the ballot entry. So this is something new that was started for the London Marathon in specific. There are 500 spots that are reserved for people who already have um, three stars or two stars. So it is 500 spots for runners with three, four, or five stars. So you have to have either three, four, or five stars before, and this is another ballot, this is another lottery, entering the lottery period. In order to do this, this is free as well. Entering the lottery is free, but you do have to be registered with the Abbott World Marathon. They have this whole app website for people who are going after their six stars. So you have to be registered on that website. And what happens is that in December, you'll get an email saying, hey, you have three stars. Do you want to apply for London? And then you say yes. That lottery period or that application period is open about a week and then you'll find out. So it happens early December. By mid-December, you'll know whether you got picked or not. And then training for London would begin in January. So again, those four options are the general ballot, the good for age, charity, or being on that journey to your six stars where you can apply for one of the 500 spots. London itself is, I think the last I had seen was about 50,000 runners. So it is a very, very big race. They have their expo that runs Wednesday through Saturday of race week. So it's busy. It is. London is probably going to be very busy. I've never been to London. I don't know what to expect. So I am going to be probably a little bit anxious about getting to expo, getting everything I need so that I can rest and, and adjust to the time change. The route for the London Marathon, it's a point-to-point -point route. And from my understanding of it, there are three different start staging areas. There's different colors. 
Um, and within that, there are different waves. So I am blue seven. So I'm in the start area for blue, but I am the seventh wave that goes out. Last week, Leva was maybe April 11th, was the email that went out with the staging, which was really, really cool because it tells you what's the nearest train stop to where you're staged and what are the times that you can enter your corral and the expected time that you are going to start. So I'm blue wave seven and my expected start time is around 10.30 a.m. London time. So there's three different waves and then all those waves converge and continue on. The course starts in Blackheart. I'm saying it wrong. I'm sorry. And it ends near Buckingham Palace. So everyone that I've spoken to has told me that it is a gorgeous course and that you get a complete tour of London. So I'm really, really excited about experiencing the course, seeing what London is all about. And this will be my fourth star. I'll be able to compare it to my experiences in Chicago, Berlin, and New York City. I can't wait. All right. Next set of questions had to do with my history as a runner and my why for doing a marathon and running London and for the charity that I picked. So most of you know, if you've listened to any of the episodes, you know, I started running in 2012 and it was because I wanted to be a good role model for my daughters. A lot has happened in that time from 2012 to 2023. There has been so many different iterations of myself as a runner and just an evolution. I, I won't say there's been any time where I've gone backwards as a runner. There's just been different versions of me as a runner. I went through a period of time where I ran a lot of marathons. So if you look at my first few years as a runner, there was one year where I did three marathons and one 50K very, very early on in my life as a runner. I believe this was 2015. And for me at that time, I was just so enamored with the sport and so enamored with this idea of what can my body do? How, how can I push myself? I really didn't have much knowledge or awareness of time and paces and any of that. I followed training plans. I did the Hanson's marathon method, Jeff Galloway. I all the different training plans. I just kind of combined them together to create something that seemed to fit with what I could do with my life as a young mom of two. Then in 2017, I had a really bad experience at the Chicago Marathon. And by bad, I just mean I went in with a very specific time goal, thinking that I could achieve it. And nothing went to plan that day. I had a really bad cramp that would not go away. I woke up feeling very, very anxious. By mile five of the race, I knew that it was going to be a struggle. So all these things, not all, but a lot of things happened during that race that I had, had not experienced in training, and I was not mentally prepared for it. 
I did not know how hard I was going to have to fight for that finish line until I crossed the finish line and I was crying. I had to walk across the finish line. And I remember the medical staff coming up to me asking if I was okay. Cause I was crying and clutching my stomach because the cramp was so bad. And I was like, I'm fine. And I think I may have even said, you know, it's just my, my ego that's been bruised. So 2017 for me was this turning point. Uh, soon after that, I hired a running coach and started on this process of coming back to running as this thing that really excited me. So when I first started running, running was so, so exciting. I just wanted to see what I could do. And then somewhere along the way, be it because of social media or just being more involved with the running community, seeing how different people were training, the goals that people were going after. And honestly, even in my own mind, having this perception that in order to be a real runner and to progress as a runner and to like show that I'm such a badass runner, I had to get a Boston qualifying time. Now, I know for some of you that are listening, that is a goal for you. And for some of you that are listening, you've done it. And I think it's great. And I love that. I just share this because for me, it ended up being too restrictive of... It just restricted my vision and it took me away from the reason why I started to run. So running, it started off as something I wanted to show my daughters, but then I fell in love with it and it became my own experience. But then chasing after a time goal, it was just one of those things where it's like, am I doing this for me or am I doing this to keep up with other people? And if there's something I've learned about myself in my 39 years of life is that if I'm doing something to keep up with others, I am going to burn out and I'm going to end up hating what I'm doing. That's kind of what happened to me in 2017 felt like that. It was very much so like a burning out of the marathon distance, a burning out of myself as a runner, not really understanding why I was running. I lost that connection of just being in love with myself and in love with the capacity that I have to do hard things because I wasn't meeting this time goal or because I did not know how to adapt and be flexible to goals suddenly or not so suddenly, I don't know, becoming out of reach. So 2017 turning period, I returned to Chicago in 2018. My only goal for that 2018 experience was to finish feeling strong, which I did. And I was so happy. But after 2018, I was like, never again. I'm not doing this ever again. This is awful. This is no, no, no. Then I take 2019 off because I'm still very burnt out by marathoning, but I think really just heartbroken by the distance and heartbroken by how I was approaching the distance again in a way that was not in alignment with who I was as a runner or my goals as a runner. And that was a period of time where I don't even think I really knew what my goals were as a runner um, because I was very much so stuck in this mentality of like, if I'm not getting faster, I'm not progressing. If I'm not getting faster and then qualifying for these races, I'm not progressing. What, what I feel like maybe in that time, there just wasn't as much on my radar as there is now of people running for the joy 
of running, people running for the sake of running, running because they love to run and they love to have these experiences. That has since changed, but it's definitely a deprogramming, deprogramming and reprogramming that I have done with myself. So 2017 was this not so great experience. I call that my worst marathon where like I didn't even meet my Z goal. Like I went through the whole alphabet and finished with just like I did it. Um, So since then, I feel like the marathon has been this elusive experience for me. 2017, bad experience. 2018 was that redemption. 2019, I did nothing. 2020, high pandemic. 2021, Chicago Marathon comes back. I have legacy status with that race because I have ran it so many times that I can get in. And I decided to run the race that year as a, I feel like still trying to figure out whether marathon distance is for me. And also after the pandemic and not really having any direction with running, wanting to have some kind of direction, some kind of celebration of having made it through the pandemic with my one constant companion of running. So finish that race. And once again, I'm like, never again am I doing this. My husband, my children all laugh at me because I remember after that race, I even told them if I ever mentioned this again, do not let me do it. And we fast forward to the fall of 2022. And I'm like, I think I want to do London. So I came back to the marathon distance for two reasons. One was because life has been very chaotic. If you know me outside of Instagram or any of these social medias, you know that we have been dealing with some house issues. And I thought that what better way to embrace the chaos of life than to add running a marathon and training for a marathon to it? It seems backwards, but for me, it made a lot of sense because running is something that grounds me and has been truly a constant companion for over a decade through all these ups, all these downs. It is the one thing that I am constant and consistent with, regardless of where life is at. And like I said, it helps ground me. Two, it's because I've had this feeling that became even more pronounced after the 2021 Chicago Marathon that I'm missing a piece, that there is something missing from this Steph as a runner, Steph as a marathon runner puzzle. So I became really curious. Then I spoke to one of my friends, Sabrina, shout out if you listen to this, who was going for her sixth star in Tokyo earlier this year. And she just inspired me to do something really special and to try, to try. So I knew that if I was going to do the marathon, it had to be something really special. It had to be a big race because I don't do well in smaller races. I like being surrounded by a lot of people. I love the marathon majors because you're running with tens and thousands of people who are running the race with you. And it's just the crowd is moving you forward. So curiosity is the thing that will always get me. The minute that curious seed of what if I try gets planted, I'm going to go after that. So I really like the idea of doing this, completing, I guess, this cycle in my running life of getting the sixth 
stars doing all these marathon majors. It's something that not a lot of people have done. And yeah, the idea of doing something really special. But I also knew that it has to be special and it has to mean more than me. So I actually entered the lottery for the London Marathon. I did not get in. I was one of those people that did not get in. And I had to ask myself, all right, do I really want to do this? And if I really want to do this, am I willing to do this for charity? I sat with that for about 24 hours and then decided, yeah, I do want to do this for charity. Like, I really do want to do this. I want to go after the six stars. I want to do another marathon major because I've had such great experiences at them, even when the race experience has been poop. In general, I've had great experiences with the marathon majors. So I went down the rabbit hole of researching different charities on the London Marathon website. They have UK-based, US-based charities. I started off first looking at US-based charities, seeing which charities from here are going there, and decided to go with a UK-based charity one because the fundraising goal felt within reach. A lot of the US-based charities, the fundraising goal was $10,000. And I feel like I just would not have enough time to do that in four or five months. I thought that the 2,500 pounds, which is the goal that I set for myself, that equates to about 3,000 US dollars. I felt that that was more achievable and I wanted to give myself the opportunity to succeed with this instead of feeling like I'm not going to make it or I'm going to fall behind. And also some of the charities, if you don't meet your fundraising goal, they ask for a credit card guarantee. And that was something that I was very aware of and also just a little bit afraid of that if I went with a charity that had a very, very high fundraising goal that I would be on the hook for a lot more money than I could afford. So after I determined that I was going to go with a UK-based charity, one, because again, the fundraising felt within reach, but two, it was also an opportunity to give back to the city that I would be racing in. And I went through, looked at a bunch of different, it must've been at least 10 charities. I'm almost positive there's over a hundred charities that you can look through, that you can pick through. And I ended up going with Rays of Sunshine. They are a wish granting organization for ill children in the UK. And it was serendipitous. So once I decided that I wanted to do the London Marathon, I immediately came up with a word that I would want to describe the training cycle. And for me, that word was joy. I wanted to feel joyful with the training cycle. As soon as I saw the rays of sunshine with the yellow, the sun, and everything about it just brought a smile to my face. I knew that that had to be the charity that I was fundraising for. In general, I always fundraise for charities that have some kind of focus on children but once I saw the sun, to me, it just felt like, oh gosh, so cliche, but the sky's opening up and the sun coming out and saying, hey, this is it. So I applied and with the application, I had to make a donation to Rays of Sunshine, which I did. That donation, I had the option of either applying it to my fundraising or just giving it to Rays of Sunshine. I decided to just give it to Rays of Sunshine either way. After I applied, I would say... 
maybe a week passed, maybe less than a week, but they reached out to me. I spoke to them on the phone and they asked me what my fundraising plans were, my running history, basically getting a good feel for me, which was also a great opportunity for me to get a good feel for them to see if this was a charity that really was a good fit for me. Because I can make a lot of assumptions based on what I see on a website and Instagram, but it's not like talking to the people for the charity. So I was given a spot on their charity team and they have had a WhatsApp group since. And I tell everybody about this, but if you are considering running London and you want to do it on behalf of a charity team, please, please, please consider Rays of Sunshine. It has been the best charity experience and I've fundraised for other charitable organizations, but this one hands down takes the cake. So incredible. There's a WhatsApp group. There is a fitness coach. There were monthly meetings, so much support along the way. And I felt like they were my cheerleaders. It's monthly calls to see how I'm doing, to see what I plan on doing. Even when I hadn't fundraised much, they were like, good job. You're doing it. It's great. So it's just been so, so incredibly supportive. And it was I truly could not have asked for a better experience. Again, I've fundraised for other charitable organizations and there's has not been as much support as there is here. Whereas here, I'm like, yes, I know I'm going to meet my fundraising goal at other charities. It, there have been moments of like, oh my God, I don't know if I can do this and what's going to happen. Are they going to get mad at me if I don't do this? Am I going to have to pay if I don't do this? The pressure has been totally different here. So, oh. That was a lot. Oof. Thanks y'all for hanging on. All right. The third category of questions has to do with my training thus far. Let's see if I can get through this quickly. So I started officially training in January of this year. I had a conversation with my coach at some point and I told her I want to run 22 miles. She's like, are you sure? And I said, yes, it's not for the physiological benefits because there are none with how long it's going to take me to do it. But because of the mental benefits, I felt that if I could run 22 miles in Miami, Florida, in the heat, humidity, and if I could get through it, then I could run anywhere. So the question that was really big for me throughout that long run was, or even throughout this training process was, can I still love marathoning? when the runs get long? Can I still love the process of training when it gets this long? So that was the other part of it, right? This is the first time that I had set training goals for myself. Normally we set goals for the races themselves, but this was a training cycle where I said, nope, I'm going to set some goals for myself with training. And I had three goals. The first goal was to nail my nutrition, figure out how to fuel so that I feel good. I feel strong and which had been happening to me in previous, I would take too long to fuel and then I would end up feeling hungry or tired. The brain fog would start to set in. So for me, it was really important to figure out what is a fueling strategy that's gonna help me get through my runs. And even on those runs that were really tough because it was hot or because my brain got in the way, I never had problems physically. Physically, I felt well. So hopefully that continues, knock on wood, AKA my head right now. The second training goal I had was to enjoy the process, to lean into the process, like it, and maybe even fall in love with the process of marathon training and doing all the work. 
The third goal I had for myself, which was probably the most important goal I set for myself is to just try not to overthink, but to trust and to do. Don't think about the runs. Don't think about the workouts. Just do them. In previous training cycles, I would psych myself out about certain speed workouts. I would get overwhelmed and end up not doing very well. So that was my goal here was to just show up, do the runs, and then let them go. Just try, but don't give these runs any more meaning than what they need to have. This London Marathon was the first training cycle in a really long time. Last time I trained in the winter was in 2015 when I did the Miami Full and the Chicago 50K. So, oh my gosh, it's been a while. And let me tell you, I definitely prefer this season of year training than the summer months. It is hot, but not as hot. And there are a sprinkle of cooler days there that make me feel like I can survive. I can survive. And I think that was a big part of this training was to get myself more out of survival mode and more into I'm thriving mode. Oof, the paces. I slowed down a lot with this marathon cycle. I was consistently running 11 to 12 minute miles on my easy days. And at first it was really hard because I had to give myself more time out there. But I soon started to buy into it because I felt great. I felt great. I felt like my recovery was faster. And I saw it as just more time with myself and with my thoughts, which I a thing that was different about this training that than other ones is I regularly ran the bridge. So here in Miami, we have the Rickenbacker. That is our biggest bridge. Maybe the only real bridge we have, but I ran that regularly. That was something that I did regularly on my runs. It was hard, but I was trying to prepare for London, which has elevation. And I know some, I have had people tell me there is no elevation, like you're going to be fine. But as someone who comes from Miami, any kind of change in elevation, I am running at sea level, sometimes below sea level, and any bit of change is going to be felt. All right, next category of questions has to do with my race plan. Oof, let's see if I can get through this one quickly as well. Are y'all holding on? I know it's so many words, so many words to hear me say. So my race plan for the day, I will go into the day because I feel like I don't really have a plan leading up to other than just trying to find all the places that have rice and lots of carbs beforehand. But race day, as I said earlier, my start time is 10.30 a.m. So I would like to be up around 7 so that I can have my picky bars oatmeal for breakfast. Have that. Give myself the time to get ready, to use the bathroom, to take the train to the start line. Usually, I did this last time and it worked out really well um, for the Chicago 2021 Whereas I had my oatmeal about three hours before start time, my Vega Energizer an hour before, then I munch on graham crackers and I will have a Ucan, which is the gels that I've been using that have really sat well with my stomach about 15 minutes before the start time. During the race, the plan will be to have a gel every three miles. Unless I feel like I'm 
I'm going really hard, then I might, I might do them probably every two and a half miles. So it kind of depends. So gels will be every three hours and every three hours, every three miles. Can you imagine that every three hours? Um, that would be rough. So a gel every three miles or so, and then water at every mile, I'm going to have to be very intentional about following this as the temperature in London will be different. It will be anywhere between 20 to 30 degrees colder than what I'm used to. So I really need to stay on top of that and be mindful of that. I do not listen to music while I run. So the playlist will be the sound of the crowd around me. Hopefully it's okay. Clothes is the one thing that I'm really concerned about because like I said, it's going to be a little bit colder. So I need to need to figure out, am I going to take a sweater? Am I going to take sweatpants? Is there going to be something that I'm going to wear on top of what I have? And then I'm going to ditch it. I don't know yet. Check in in the post London race to, to find out. All right. My goals for London. Oh my gosh. I have three goals and I really, I only have two goals, but the third goal I will include because everybody wants to know this one. Uh, my first goal is to finish feeling like I can do another one. And maybe it's really finish feeling like I want to do another one. Like I said, previous marathons I finished and I've thought never again. I would like to go back to that stuff of 2015 that finished the race and was like, oh my God, I can't believe I did it. So I would love to finish feeling in awe of myself. This like this mix of, I can't believe I did it and I can't wait to do it again. That is goal numero uno. Second goal is to own every decision I make on that course. Own it, be proud of it. Don't use it as an excuse to justify anything. That That's a big one for me. Third goal, and again, this one I include because people want to know. I think I haven't spoken to my coach yet, so know that this conversation or this chat with me or these words are coming up before I speak to my coach and we talk a little bit more strategy. I think I'm probably in 415, 410 shape. And by shape, I mean not only physically, but mentally because Running is not just what your body is physically doing. Running is what your brain and your mind are ready to fight for. Every mile that you're out there, you're making lots of little decisions about whether you can keep up with your pace, let go of your pace, speed up your pace. So I think mentally, that's probably where I'm at. But we'll see how the weather does and how that affects me. And if it, you know, gives me a little push to go faster. All right, last category of questions. What do I plan on doing after London? So in the immediate after London is enjoy the city and explore. We get there with enough time to explore parts of the city, but I don't want to do too much because I want to make sure that I am adjusting to the time change and not spending too, too much time on my feet before the race. But afterwards, I will be spending some more time on my feet just so that I can help myself with recovery, get my legs moving after the race, no running. I'm going to take my recovery very, very, very seriously. No running for however long my coach thinks and what I think would feel good, probably about two weeks. And then it's just resting up before Marine Corps. That is my race after London, which is why number one goal of finish feeling like I can and want to do another one is really important. 
Marine Corps is a race that either since 2020 or 2019 has been deferred. This is my last year to be able to do it. It is a bucket list race. I can talk more about that race and why I'm doing that race in another episode. But yeah, post-London life is going to be enjoy London, take my recovery very seriously, and then rest up before Marine Corps training starts, which I believe it'll start sometime in July. So I hope I answered everyone's questions. Thanks for truly, thanks for hanging on here, y'all. I love to talk about running. Can you tell? There will be a post-London podcast coming out in a few weeks, but for now, send me all your well wishes, lots of love, and I don't know. I don't even know what I need on race day, but just give me all the thumbs up. Give me all the positive words. And if you've got any tips, tricks, or advice for London, please send them my way. All right, everyone. I will talk to you soon. You know the deal. Run true. Run strong. Run happy. And just run and be grateful for the ability to run. All right. See y'all soon. Bye. That's it. That's maybe the last big stuff I'll say about the London Marathon as I work on tapering and resting and getting ready to travel to London. So if you have any questions about anything that I said in this podcast, or if there's anything you want to let me know about before I head over to London, you can follow me on Instagram at the cookie runner, check out my website at thecookierunner.net, or even send me an email at thecookierunner at gmail.com. You can support this show, Runner's Roundtable, at anchor.fm slash runners roundtable. Until next time, run happy, run strong, and run true to you.